0: Thank you for tuning into this week's message. For more information about Connections Church, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. All right, all right. As the uh, elementary kids make their way back to their class uh, and their time together there, we want to once again thank you for coming out today and and man, what a weird, strange season we're in where uh, the virus stuff, uh, masks, uh, all that is, is wanting to just overwhelm us. Uh, but thanks be to God, we don't have to be overwhelmed by any of that, right? And it's okay, you know, you, you do what you need to do, but we're just certainly thankful that we are able to gather together. And as the uh, the team brings the house lights up a little bit, I want to encourage you to get your Bibles out and sure miss being here last week, but had a great time getting away for a little anniversary trip and and appreciative to Scott and the team as they always do, just take care of business, and great things happened last week, and great things are gonna happen again today, and already have have started. So uh, welcome again to Connections uh, as we had a, a powerful time of in prayer last Monday night right here in this room, and and by the way, we're going to do that again tomorrow night at 6.30. We're going to gather here, and just we're, we're in a, t- a season of, of just called prayer meeting on Monday night, and I don't know how long it's going to go, but I do know that tomorrow night we'll be back here, but as we were here last week just praying and seeking God on behalf of our church, our community, our our, our nation, our world, and, and all the things that are, are going on right now, uh, I, I was laying over here on some chairs at, at, at a certain time, and this is an open Sunday that we had on the schedule. And and I just felt impressed with the Holy Spirit that today we're to journey down a a subject called a declaration of war. I know that last week Pastor Scott took you through a a, a message called uh, a, a being a warrior, what what that is all about and, and the reality that that we have the image of God that we're created in, right? And and as so his DNA is is all over us and all in us and and God is a warrior he is actually called multiple times in the word a mighty warrior. So so with that being being what it is, we are created in his image, we are warriors as well. So what are we to do? We're to be about warfare. And as we're in the shift to the end of time, I believe here on this earth, it's a time that the church truly Ne- needs to rise up in the power and the authority of our great God and declare war on the true enemy and run to the battle fully equipped. And as I was praying and 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 this was coming to my heart and my spirit uh, last Monday night, I just w- had this picture of of David. And a lot of times when we when we say the word David, we think of the King David. And I'm I'm talking about way back before he was. Crown king. I'm talking about when he was a shepherd boy out there on the hillside, and, and his dad tapped him on the shoulder one day and said, hey, I need you to go take some food up to your brothers who are who are in the battle with the Philistines, the, the evil army that was anti-God. And he said, I want you to take them some some food, check on them, see how things are going. And so when David obeyed his dad and took that up to the front lines, most everyone in this room and outside watching right now, you know this story. But I want to remind you of a few things about it. So David listens to his dad in obedience, and he gathers up the things he's to take to his brothers, and he goes up to the battlefield. And and when he gets up to the battlefield, he finds something very strange. No battle. I mean, what kind of war is it when there's not a battle going on, right? And and the army of Israel, his brother's army, his army, his dad's army, they're just camped on, on the sidelines, and they're not engaged in warfare which struck him as odd until something took place, and that something was this giant of a man, nine feet, six inches tall, history tells us, named Goliath, stepped out as he was doing every day and began to mock and curse the God of Israel. And he began to to do this as he had done day in and day out and, and dared any of the army of Israel to come and challenge him, knowing they would not budge. What kind of army Sits on the sideline and dares not step out to battle. Well, you say, yeah, I mean, come on, pastor, give me a break. I mean, look, look at the, the situation here. This guy is huge. I mean, it describes his, his armor. It describes his, his sword and his spear and everything that he had as being extra large because he was what? He was extra large. He was a giant. And so everyone was deathly afraid of stepping out on the battlefield because of this one man. So David gets up there to take this stuff to his brothers, notices what's going on here. And when he sees this giant step out and curse God, something happens inside of him. Listen, church, take a look around us today, right? Watch the news, if you will? Listen to the reports. Watch the activism. Watch the people that are marching against God. That are choosing instead to follow the evil of this world. To follow the flesh and the desires of the flesh. That are no longer just sitting back saying, well, you do you, we'll do us. You have your faith in your God and all that and that's fine. And we'll just do our thing over here. No, now they are marching actively against God. Now they're wanting to pull down statues of Jesus and and burn churches. So it went from a passive thing to an aggressive thing to actively coming out against Christianity and God's great kingdom. Kind of reminds you of what's happening on this battlefield in this particular account. Something, Something hit David when he heard this going on. Something rises up inside of this young shepherd boy who is just a teenager. And so he goes and he tells him, listen, why aren't you going out there and taking this guy down? Why is nobody moving towards the battle to fight him and defeat him? What's going on? And I'm sure that when he made that statement and asked those questions, he probably looked and he saw the fear in their eyes. And so he knew what the answer was immediately. And then something rises up inside of him again and says, you know what? If you won't go, I will go. I'll go. And I will not only did he say I will fight him but he said I will defeat him. Don't you love that kind of faith? So they tried to talk him out of it. His brother started said, "David, you're crazy. Go back and take care of those few sheep that Dad's entrusted you with. You have no business here. You're not a, a soldier. You're not a warrior." King Saul tried to talk him out of it. He said, this, this will never work. You're going to get killed. You'll, you'll never be able to stand up against this giant of a man, this warrior from birth. So just forget about it. So the critics tried to talk him out of it, right? How many of you have experienced that before? You, you see something. You sense something. The Holy Spirit rises up in you says, something's got to be done. And here's exactly how David answers them. He says, listen, is there not a cause? I mean, look at the situation here. This is guy is cursing our God that just can't happen here's a question I want to ask today if you're taking notes write this down is there not a cause because in our time we're living in right now the one true living God who made the heavens and the earth and all that's in them made you made me gave us our breath every single breath we breathe it comes from him is being openly mocked, cursed, and they are trying to eradicate God from our society. Along with that, wickedness and sin are not only sanctioned, they are celebrated. Along with that, Christianity is under grave attack like never before in our nation. So I ask you once again, Church of the Living God, is there not a cause? I mean, I thank God for the shepherd boy warrior who would not stand by while God was defiled and mocked and ridiculed by this evil Philistine. And instead, he defied every critic, every bit of logic, and instead trusted in the one true God that he knew and served faithfully. And there's the key. Look at me right now this morning, church. How deeply do we know our God? How intimately do we walk with God? Do we have a head knowledge and just kind of know about him and we've been raised in the church and kind of went through the motions and we're kind of familiar with God and who he is? Or let me ask you this, at the end of the day when everything is stripped away in our lives, is he everything? If, if everything else was removed from us, is he the one thing that we just know deep inside of us we can't live without? Is he the first thing that's on our mind when we wake up in the morning and we have to get our word and and, and, and just go through the pages of the word so we can get more of who he is and we can understand and grow and learn and get more of him? And do we seek God in prayer? Not only just when a special prayer meeting is called, but all throughout the day do we just stop and say, man, thank you. I can't tell you how many times this week I just stopped. And said, man, Jesus, I love you. You, you just keep blowing me away. Your love for me, your blessings in my life, your, your care that you, you, you watch over me and take care of me. I love you. So I'm asking us today, how well do we really know God? Do we walk with him and desire him and crave him? Or is it just a game we play, go through the motions or just kind of the tradition of life in our family? Because grandma did it, great grandma did it and everybody else. So I'm just going to kind of walk through it as well. The difference between David and his brothers was this. His brothers knew about God, but David, the little shepherd boy, knew God deeply and intimately from those sessions out on the hillside where he grabbed his harp in between killing lions and bears and taking care of shepherds and he worshiped God. He cultivated a relationship deep inside of his heart with God. Where are we with that? And this is not a message about condemnation. This is not a message about guilt. Look at me. This is a message to light a fire inside the people of God that would rise up in these last days and say, you know what? More than anything else, I hunger and I thirst for God in my life. I want to know him more, more than I did yesterday, more than I did last month and last year and 10 years ago. I've got to know God. Nothing else compares to that drive and desire and hunger in my heart. Because we're coming to a day, and I believe we're here now where that's the only thing that's going to survive The people of God who truly know their God, and because they know their God, as the Word tells us, they shall do great exploits. That's the call that's on this church. So what about us? Do we realize there is a cause? I read years ago, and I think it's even more true today, that the modern Christian Church of America has treated Christianity as being on a cruise ship more so than being on a warship. Any of you ever been on a cruise? Wow. What a vacation. Living in the lap of luxury, they just wait on you hand and foot. You send your kids off to Camp Carnival and just let them take care of the kids, and you just sit out on the deck and soak in the rays and have a iced tea lemonade and Take a nap. When's the last time you've taken a nap? 14 years ago, maybe? I I don't know. And it's nice, and it's enjoyable. We all need a vacation. But in the bigger picture, when it comes to living, the Christ following, take up your cross daily, dying to self, kind of faith that we are called to, we as the church are residing on a worship. Because we are in constant battle. And that's the first thing I want to remind you of very quickly this morning is simply this. We as the church have to wake up to the war. Right? We have to engage I want to make something very, very clear that we are at war and I'm not talking about the wars that we're involved with around the, the globe and different nations as, as a country and I'm not talking about the war on terror and I'm not talking about the war that's being waged in our country now, right versus left, liberal versus conservative, all that all, all that stuff is happening all around us but what I am talking about that we are in a war this morning that has to do with evil against good, God versus Satan and we are a part of that war and some of you might be saying, wait a minute, when I, when I said yes, to Christ. I didn't sign up for a war. Well, you did. You just didn't realize it, I guess. Because that's the reality of where we are in living for Jesus Christ. The day you were saved, you began to be in the crosshairs of Satan himself, and he is literally hell-bent on defeating and destroying every one of us in this war that we're in, spiritual warfare. One of the most commonly misunderstood things today is, is that the child of God is in a war for their lives. And it's fought in a spiritual realm. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 and 4. For though we walk in the flesh, and how many of you know, know that's true, right? We are not waging war according to the flesh, he says. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they have divine power to destroy what? Strongholds and attacks and attacks. And, and everything the enemy wants to throw at us. You don't have to be a Christian long to realize that being a Christian is not lived out on the playground. It's lived out on the battleground. And you've got to be prepared. I've got to be prepared. We've always got to be ready because the schemes of Satan are always aimed at us to destroy and kill us. Get rid of us. That's, that's his desire. Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 through 20 gives us. Some very important information. I just want to read through that. So follow along and then go home and look back through it. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers and rulers and principalities and authorities. Against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. Against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, Take up the whole armor of God that it may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and the shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances. Take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication, To that end, Paul says, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication prayers for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare boldly as I ought to speak. I love this. I love this. We can be dressed for battle from head to toe, everything covered, everything we need right there. So wake up. It's the alarm bell for the church today, in this moment, wake up and get off the sidelines and engage in the battle, or you're going to be run over and left for dead. Secondly, this morning, we need to know what our assets are. The first thing a good soldier must do is understand their strengths, understand what weapons are available, understand the weaknesses that they have. Just be aware of all those things. I know it's easy for us at times to know what our weaknesses are. I mean, if I sat down with you for coffee and said, hey, man, where are some weak areas in your life? You wouldn't have any trouble. Well, this area I struggle with over here is where where a problem area is for me, on and on and on. If I said, where are your strengths, you would have a little, little bit of a tough time. But Paul talks about that in his own life. He said, man, I know where I'm weak, and I know where I struggle, but I also know this, that where I am weak, what? What was that? Who's he? God, God is strong in my weakness. He shows his strength through my weaknesses. In Ephesians 1, chapter 19, he talks about that. So when we we realize that, here's what we've got to know. That even in those weak areas, we are made strong through the power of our resurrected Savior. Amen? that his strength is pumping through our lives and through our veins. I love what the psalmist wrote in Psalm chapter 20, verse seven. He said, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will trust in the name of the Lord, our God. The weapons of our warfare are all about God in us, giving us all the strength and the power that we need. We also need to know our enemy very well, church. 1 Peter 5, 8 has always been one of my favorite verses. And the reason why Is because I love how Peter words this this particular thing in this verse. It starts out by him saying, we've got to be sober. In other words, don't be cloudy. Don't be affected by some some things of this world that can can cause you not to be sober, that can cause you to be drunk, high, messed up, not thinking straight, so to speak. We've got to be vigilant. That means we've got to be ever aware. We've got to be alert, looking around. Like, Like now we have to tell our family members, our loved ones, wherever you go, Be aware of your surroundings. Always be looking around because so many people out there today are up to so much no good that you don't want your family members to have any kind of jeopardy or trouble. So you're always telling them, whenever people leave my house, say, be aware of where you're at. Be aware of what's going on around you. And that's what Peter's saying. And then he goes on and says this, because the reason I'm telling you to be sober, to be alert, to be vigilant is for this reason. He goes on and says, because your enemy, and here's what I really love. He's like, in case you forgot it, the devil... (laughs) I mean, he's just like, I'm going to say it one more time. Your enemy, come the devil roams around like a roaring lion. Seeking what? Whom he may devour. If that doesn't wake us up, I don't guess anything will. Know your enemy. Know he is a liar and the father of lies. He's a deceiver. All he can do is mess with your mind, speak to you things that aren't true, that aren't of God, just like he tried to do with Jesus himself when he tempted him three different times. He wants to come in and play with that and mess with that and get you thinking thoughts that are contrary to God and his truth. So that's why Peter is saying, be on guard, be vigilant He'll put temptations out that want to lure you away just as he did with Eve in the garden and said, hey, there's nothing really wrong with this. He didn't really mean that you couldn't have it. He wants you to have the best of everything. Come on, a little bite's not going to hurt. Amen to that, brother. No, 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 no. Do not go for it. It's a lie. Know your enemy. He's coming at you with everything he has. But here's what he knows, too. Look at me, church. He knows His time is limited, and it's coming to a quick close. Know your enemy. Next, know your protection. Man, I love this. God does not leave us empty-handed. He gives us protection against the cunning of the devil. Look at verse 11 again back in Ephesians where it says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. If you look at that armor, and I want you to go back and read through that this week, understand this. You are covered. I am covered from head to toe. He even gives us shoes to wear. Don't you love that? How many of you are shoe people? You just like sporting some, some kicks. These would be the best shoes you ever put on. The shoes of the gospel of peace. And that gospel of peace is going to cover your feet. It's going to protect your feet, your your, your footing, your, your 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 base. And the helmet of salvation is going to cover what? Your mind, when you've got the helmet of salvation, when you know your word, when you put that on, when you keep it on. And you can't just put it on today and think it's going to be on five weeks from now. No, every day we make a choice. I'm going to cover myself in the armor of God. That's why he gave it to me, for me to use and utilize. So when those thoughts come come at me, the, the, the helmet of salvation is going to say, get thee behind me, Satan. It is written. I'm not buying your lies. Breastplate of righteousness, belt of truth, it's all there. The question is, are we putting it on daily? I love that. Then next, number five, know your weapons. Years ago, it became this big catchphrase that the best offense was a good what? Defense. You ever heard that? Now, I don't disagree with the passion for defense because when I was playing ball, I loved to shut people down. If I was playing basketball, I was going to try to make it my mission. You're not going to score on me. I'm going to hound you. I'm going to aggravate you. I might foul you a few times. might foul you a couple times really hard just to get you thinking, he, he's, he'll hit me. And that, that's wrong, I know. And I've confessed and made it right with God. But, you know, I didn't want anybody to score on me. I don't play ball anymore because I might not be able to control that like I should. But, you know, I'm all for a good defense. I'm just kidding. I'm doing a lot better in my golden years um, as they were. So, I'm all for a good defense, but guess what? If you don't have an offense, you're not going to put any points on the board. I mean, you're not going to score to win the game. So what I love about this is that the Lord gives us offensive weapons. And, and, and back to that picture of, of teenage David when he, when he heard and saw Goliath taunting God's people and God's army and, and God himself, and, and he looked and saw that, that the, the soldiers were paralyzed by fear. Not only did he step out and step up, but the Bible tells us that when he stepped out of the battlefield, he ran towards Goliath. You got to think this big nine foot, six-inch tall giant with a little five foot nothing David. I mean, how many of you have seen that movie Rudy, you know, Notre Dame football movie? A little Rudy out there trying to, to make plays as a linebacker. I mean, he's got to be thinking to himself, are you kidding me? And he even said that. You're gonna send this boy out? You all are afraid? David just hustling, man, with his little slingshot in his hand, just running as fast as he could, just going at him like, yeah, you keep on talking that smack. And then he's a wham, and let it fly. Because what he said was this. He knew in his heart, hey, you come against me with everything you've got, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Jehovah God himself, and he will not let me down. I'm not fighting you. He is, and you are going down. For too long the church has sat on the sideline. And not been aggressive. And not run to the battle. And not gotten fired up at the sin that's going on all around us. And the attack that the church of Jesus Christ is under. And look where we've gotten ourselves. This church whittles down to ten. Give me ten full of faith like David. Whittles down to five. Give me five full of faith like David. Because that kind of faith, that kind of confidence that God is who he says he is, and he will do what he said he will do, will cause one young boy to run to a giant, take him down, and cut his head off, and hold it up, not for his glory, but for the glory of the living one true God the Bible says our weapons are the word of God which is our sword it's described in that Ephesians passage we've been walking through the sword of the Spirit of God the Bible tells us he sent his word and healed their disease God spoke a word and all of this was flung through the universe and beyond, things we don't even realize or know about. So how powerful is His Word? You tell me. The Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword able to divide asunder, even the joints and the marrow. More than what a surgeon can do with laser or knife. God's Word is that powerful. And when the enemy comes knocking on our door and when he comes telling his lies to us, then we stand up with the word of God and say you are a liar and you are defeated and you are doomed for the pits of hell for all of eternity. I am victory in Jesus' name. Through his word. And then Paul talked about through all prayer and supplication being made. You want another weapon? You touch the heart of God in prayer. It'll shake nations. It'll move mountains. I'm going to tell you, the church quit really praying a long time ago, unfortunately. Seeking the face of God in repentance and tears. Crying out to God, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and, and seek my Then I will hear from heaven. We've got all the weapon we need right here prayer and the word. We've got everything we have need of. Listen, in these last days, this is what's going to really, really see us through. Holy Spirit, Word connection and power and praying in the spirit with prayers and supplications. A soldier of God is most powerful when that soldier is on his or her knees in prayer. Satan trembles at the thought of the weakest Christian on their knees praying to God. And lastly today, please know this. no our victory I want you to know something that's going to encourage you more than anything else and that is this you already have victory in Jesus Christ I don't know if you realize that or not but the victory over sin and Satan has already been won that was accomplished where at an address called Calvary (laughs) that that's where that took place so here's what I want you to get a hold of and understand we fight from victory not for victory We are already victorious in and through Jesus Christ. Listen to what Paul said to the church in Colossus when he said in in, in chapter 2, verses 13, And you who were dead in your trespasses and and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, together with him, together where? With him, having forgiven us all of our trespasses and sins by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. I love that. And this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him, Christ Jesus. It's already done. Whoop, it's already taken care of. It's like this. You don't have to work for it, but somebody slips a million dollars in your bank account tomorrow. Shane said, I'm gonna go check my account right now. So here's the deal you gotta live from that victory, you gotta live as if you know and and are taking possession of that million dollars and doing life with the million dollars here Christ has secured the victory once and for all of us who will believe in him and receive it we've got to live like it's ours we've got to take ownership and possession of it every single day wake up and tell the devil I'm up and I know who I am in Jesus and I know he brought the victory to me already over 2,000 years ago ain't nothing you can do to change my mind or to bring me down you start your day like that I guarantee you You're gonna rock the world that day. So get in your mind, get in your heart, understand. He disarmed the rulers and the authorities, he put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Christ. Satan is defeated, he was defeated on that cross. Sin was defeated on the cross. We have victory because of the cross. And I love the words out of Romans chapter 8, verses 35 through 39. It says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword? No, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. In other words, our life matters nothing to us. It's all about the cause of Christ. We live for him. No, And all these things, here's what Paul wrote in Romans. All these things, we are more than, more than conquerors. Not only do we conquer, we are more than conquerors. We beat them and then we just grind them into the ground. Amen? We are more than conquerors through Him who loves us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything else in all of creation. Let's just cover it all, Paul. Let's just write it all down. Just cover Everything. None of that's going to be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We are more than conquerors. We are victorious because of Christ. You don't believe it? Just read the back of the book. We win. We win. It's over. Back of the book, baby. Just read it. We win. Period. Would you close your eyes just for a moment? Let me encourage you this way. We fight the good fight daily. We run the race. We, we enter the battle. Church, it's time to wake up and realize that we are at war. There is no more time to be sluggish or apathetic or fearful about God and spiritual things. Don't cower in the corner. Run to the battle in boldness. We cannot afford to not read our field manual, the Word of God. We cannot afford to miss getting our orders from spending time alone with God. We cannot afford to not get our ammunition from reading and memorizing Scripture. It's how we're going to be able to, to shoot Satan out of the sky. We cannot afford to go out on our own, leaving the protection of the platoon, which is a fellowship of the church. We can't survive out in the open field on our own. We need to be with our fellow soldiers in Bible study, connect groups, and in worship. We, when when you find yourself alone, you're going to find yourself in, in deep, deep trouble. You cannot afford to not be ready ready for war. Souls of the lost are at stake. Your personal walk with God is at stake. The mission of the kingdom of God is at stake. If you are a child of God, if you are a Christ follower, then you are enlisted in the army of God. You maybe have gone AWOL, absent without leave. Maybe you've gotten out there and gotten in some dangerous places, but it's time to come home again. It's time to find your place in the ranks again. Return to base You can return to the battle. You can return to the war. You can be victorious in and through Christ Jesus. War is declared, church. I'm telling you this right now. War is declared. Are you fighting the good fight? Soldiers, it is high time to report to duty. And let me just make one thing crystal clear in talking about who the enemy is. The enemy of our soul, as Peter wrote, is the devil himself. It is not your family members here at the church we don't turn our weapons on each other we turn the weapons of our warfare on the true enemy satan himself and we have all the power in christ jesus so whatever you got going on in your life right now if you've been on the sidelines if you've been struggling as we prepare to worship one more time with this song that declares the name of Jesus, that name above all names. I want to ask you with your eyes closed just another moment, if you're in here and say, Pastor, I need to wake up to the warfare that's going on around me. I need to engage in battle. I need to put my armor on from head to toe. I need to cover myself in the kingdom of God, righteousness, salvation, power, strength, Holy Spirit, anointing. Would you just stand to your feet right now, all over this room and say, Pastor, pray for me. That's my decision right now. I am in this thing to win it because I know that God is already victorious and give to me the victory. Would you stand? Thank you. Thank you. Who else is going to stand up and say, it's, it's time right now. It's my time right now. Would you make a stand right now across this room with all these others who are standing up one at a time, two at a time, standing up across this room and would you come and join me right here, right now, at the front of this church. Take that next bold step and say, I'm making a move right now. And if you're not up yet, get up if you need to. If the Holy Spirit's dealing with your heart, get up and make that move. Would you come now? And we're going to pray right now as this team begins to lead us in this song. Would you come now? Come on, come on. If you're standing, walk walk this way. Not that difficult. Would you just come now? Stand with me. I want to pray with you and for you. And let's let's just huddle up together as, as a platoon this morning. And let's just pray and seek God together. Would you guys go ahead and sing this as we do some business down here at the front of this church? Some of you want to pray for these folks. Pray with them and join us. Would you just come now and surround them? Come on, get closer. I'm not going to spit on you. I'm not going to do anything. We're just going to pray together and trust God. Make a bold stand today. Would you do that with us? Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for tuning into this week's message. For more information about Connections Church, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram.